If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah chapter 6, and we're going to have a dual text tonight. I wouldn't plan on preaching, and uh, but uh, the Lord wants us to be ready, so I'm ready to preach what God's laid on my heart. I want to kind of follow up on the message I preached this morning on a greater vision as our theme for 2020, and um, I preached on hell. And I don't preach on hell enough. I was talking to a a retired pastor right back there that's traveling to Snellville. And I know Snellville real well because I'm from Grayson, Georgia, which is uh, smaller than Snellville. Amen. And uh, I was thinking about uh, the many years I preached and probably haven't preached on two subjects enough. That's the second coming and the doctrine of hell. And I hope that you got something out of the message this morning. Because I sure did. I got, a, I got a burden, but I want to continue that burden and preach on uh, uh, compassion for those that are going to hell. Compassion makes a difference. One time someone said that compassion was uh, putting yourself in that person's life. And so if you were headed to hell, how would you feel? Uh, you'd feel terrible. And you'd be in a terrible state, in a terrible place. You'd be on the highway to hell. And uh, uh, somebody needs to warn people that are on that freeway to hell, that wide, gaping, destructive way. Somebody's got to tell them. Somebody needs to intercept them. Somebody needs to realize that uh, it's not about us, it's about Him. And for His glory, they need to be saved, and we need to be soul winners. And so I want to preach a little bit on that, but I want to use our theme chapter and verse kind of to uh, springboard into Matthew chapter 9. Let's stay in all the Word of God, Isaiah chapter 6, and I want to preach and continue to preach on a greater vision in 2020. A greater vision in 2020. And I'd like to emphasize a vision of the lost. A vision of the lost. I believe we ought to lift up our eyes and see the harvest is white already unto harvest. And we need to do everything we can to get people saved. And I really believe that the greatest... Uh, threat to our church is that we get settled and we get sanctified and satisfied with the small little group we got. Every, every, every church ought to have a pioneer spirit. Amen. And every class in every church ought to have a pioneer spirit. You ought to want to start more classes and see more souls saved. It's not just a little frozen few gathering on Sunday morning and enjoying all the fellowship. That's not the church. The church is a is a sending agent for souls. And here it is. It says, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. First of all, we need to get a vision of the Lord, a greater vision of the Lord. And above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet. And with twain he did fly, and one cried to another, said, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. And then said I, Woe is me. The second vision we ought to get is of ourself as sinners. For I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King of the Lord of hosts. And then flew one of the servants unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which is taken with the thongs from off the altar. 
and he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Also I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. And then said I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be waste without inhabitants, and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men from far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. But yet it is shall be a tent that it shall return, and shall be eaten as a till tree and as an oak whose substance is in them. When they cast their leaves, so the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for this great vision that you gave Isaiah, but also, Lord, thank you for the vision there is a commission. And Lord, with a vision, there is a ministry. And God, we're not called just to have visions and sit in our pew and be satisfied with souls going to hell. God, you've given us a vision, not just a dream, but a goal to see people saved and to see people redeemed before it's too late. So God, help us to never lose our pioneer vision as a church. God, help us have the same fervency when we came to this town several years ago and didn't know a soul. And God, help us to knock on doors, <clears throat> help us to run bus routes, help us, God, to build Sunday school classes, help us to build buildings, help us to do everything we can, dear God, to get people under the sound of the gospel before it's too late. Lord, give us compassion that makes a difference. And we'll praise you for the vision, the fresh vision of souls that need to be saved. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. A church that loses visions is in grave danger. We must continue to make progress in our Christian life. And we need to make, make progress as a church. About 350 years ago, <clears throat> and that's not when I started the church, about 350 years ago, a shipload of travelers landed on the northeast coast of America. The first year they established a town site, the next year they elected a town government. The third year, the town government planned to build a road, now listen, five miles westward into the wilderness. Uh, in the fourth year, the people tried to impeach their town government because they thought it was a waste of public funds to build a road five miles westward into the wilderness. Who needed to go there anyway, they said. Here were... Here were people who had a vision to see 3,000 miles across the ocean, overcome great obstacles to get there, but in just a few years, they were not able to see even five miles out of the town. They had lost their pioneer vision. And I want you to know, friend, we're in danger of that as a church. 
if we ever get satisfied with our little class and our little church, I don't believe we ought to go after numbers, but I believe we ought to go after souls. I believe we ought to never be satisfied with people that are dying and going to hell that need Jesus. This morning, a young lady sat in our sanctuary and wept through the whole message. And I'm, I'm praying that God will give us uh, an opportunity this week to go to her home and talk to her and see if she needs to be saved. I hope we never lose the vision of what God's called us to do. Amen. And that's to reach souls before it's too late. Before it's too late. This morning I preached on hell. And I don't know about you, but the greatest preacher that ever walked this earth preached 13 times on hell. That's Jesus Christ. The greatest Bible, the greatest book that's ever been written refers to hell over 83 times. And folks, I want to tell you something. There is a place called hell. And it is as terrible as described in our text this morning in Luke chapter 16. But I believe in order to reach souls, first of all, we need to get a great and fresh vision of our Lord. He's God. He's Lord. He's Almighty. He is, he is, like that song said, able to save anyone that'll call on Him. Amen. He will no wise cast them out. Amen. Whosoever will can be saved. Amen. And I believe He does a good job when He saves somebody. How many has been changed by the grace of God? Say amen. When I got saved, I got a new want to. I was 11 and a half years old, so I didn't have much to give up. But what I had to give up, it was an inner rebellion and a lot of self-sufficiency and uh, probably a lot of other things in my life. But I believe if I'd have waited much longer, I'd have had a lot to give up. Because sin's aggressive, it's addictive, and it's deadly. Yes. Say amen right there. And so I needed to see the Lord as a young age. And thank God I saw Him on Calvary's cross. I saw the empty tomb. I saw the resurrection. I saw the ascension. Number two, we need to get a fresh vision of ourselves found in this text in verses 5 through 7. A sinner saved by grace. A vessel of mercy and grace. Folks, I want to tell you something. When you start thinking too high of yourself, you're in trouble of getting satisfied with your self-sufficiency. Uh, you get satisfied with the state that you're in. You get satisfied by not reading your Bible and growing and, and, uh, and seeking God. And we get satisfied and then we get uh, sanctified, but we don't get sanctified, we get petrified. We get hard. If you ever get hard, you need to slap yourself, say amen. If you ever get hard, you need to shake yourself. You need to take inventory tonight and see what kind of burden you have for the Lord and what kind of gratefulness you have for Him saving your unworthy soul. Woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, woe is you, Isaiah proclaimed in Isaiah chapter 5 about materialism and about worldlyism and about uh, things that they were doing, calling light dark and dark light and all the woes he pronounced upon. But when he saw the Lord, all the woes, woe is you, came, went out the back door, and it was, woe is me. A man of unclean lips, thus unclean hearts, because he knew that his uh, lips notified his, what kind of heart he had. And so we need to look at ourselves and get a fresh vision as we're saved by grace. And I want to tell you this, we're saved because somebody brought the gospel to us. Somebody brought the message to you. Somebody cared enough to pray for your unworthy soul and my unworthy soul. And I had a godly grandmother. That, her name was That Mama. And uh, That Mama prayed, uh, read through the Bible every year. And when she couldn't pronounce a word, she spelled through it so she wouldn't miss a blessing. 
I'll never get her telling me that. As I sat at her knees and, and heard her uh, talk to me about the Lord and about Jesus. Before I was saved, she was planting that seed in my heart. She wanted her grandson to get saved. And then she, she started going down to uh, Calvary Baptist Church in East Atlanta, Georgia and laying flowers on the uh, Lord's Supper and praying for her alcoholic son and saying, please raise up a preacher to reach my son. I don't want, to go, I don't want him to go to hell. They said she'd come every Sunday morning early with her chrysanthemums. And I preached at that church a few years ago and all those ladies said they wasn't chrysanthemums, it was some other, ask Miss Connie if you're really interested, some other kind of flower. But it was a big flower, I know that. Beautiful flower. But the beautiful fragrance was her prayers for my daddy. She didn't want her son to go to hell. She didn't want to see him burn forever in hell. And she didn't want him to be an alcoholic all his life and ruin his life with addiction. And God raised up a shy person called Wayne, his son, to, to preach to him and reach him and witness to him. And to God be the glory. He got saved um, one night before I left for Claxton, Georgia, to be the youth pastor. Lived seven years, died of cirrhosis liver. And on his deathbed, he says, the only regret I have is I only lived seven years, Wayne. I wish I'd have got saved young. Tell the young people, don't waste their life. He told me to go to YDC. He didn't tell me specifically go to YDC, but I've been going there 38 years. But he said, hey, tell the young people not to waste their life. I wasted my life, but I'm glad I'm saved. And he died with peace on his soul, peace in his heart. Folks, I'm glad my grandmother, his mama, had compassion for her son. And not only do we need to see ourselves as um, sinners saved by grace, but we need to look at ourselves as servants to take that grace to a lost and dying world. We need to look at ourselves as saints, our Father which art in heaven. We need to look at ourselves as sanctified vessels for His glory. God has called you out of this world to reflect His glory. To someone you're the best Christian they know, so you ought to be a good one, say amen. I'm preaching to a bunch of preachers and their wives on February 6th. It's a sweetheart's banquet and... Um, I'm honored to do that. I love to preach on the, on the marriage. And my title of my message is to someone, you're the best couple they know. And if you don't believe, if you, just, if you don't believe that the devil is targeting preachers and their wives, you got another thought coming. He wants to take, listen, if I was the devil, I know how to destroy Whitfield Baptist Church, one family at a time. But I really, particularly if I was the devil, I'd go after the head family, the leader. You get the leader, you get the follower. Say amen. And so you pray with me on February 6th that God would use that message on to someone you're the best couple they know. And you got a target on your home. But folks, I want to tell you something. We're not sanctified just for our satisfaction. We're sanctified to reflect God's greatness, God's glory. To someone you're the best Christian they know, but I want to tell you something. To someone, you're the best display of a great God they know. I mean, you ought to have such a testimony of righteousness and holiness and love and joy and peace and faithfulness that people will know that you don't belong to this world, but you belong to God. Amen. You're sanctified. You're holy people called out from this world to be different and make a difference. I want to reach souls more than ever, ever before. My pastor used to call me a, a, a great soul winner. And 
That was the best title he could ever give me. But I want to tell you something. I wasn't a great soul winner. I'll tell you who the great soul winner is. It's the Holy Ghost in us. Amen. Living through us. Yeah. Witnessing through us. By nature, I'm very shy. You wouldn't believe that, but I'm very shy. By nature, I don't like to interrupt people, especially when they're eating spaghetti because they come to the, they come to the uh, door and it's all over them. You know, you can't eat it. You can't eat it neat. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid to interrupt people. But a long time ago, I realized God wants to interrupt a lot of people going to hell. And so we need to be sanctified. We need to set aside our life. We need to be set apart. We need to be servants because we get a fresh vision of who we really are. Saved, saved, saved by the grace of God. But last but not least, we need to have a fresh vision of sinners that need to be saved. Sinners that need to be saved. Look at verse 5. It says, Then said, I, Woe is me, for I'm undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. You know, I believe it's darker than it's ever been before Amen. in this world. I mean, the, uh, the country's trying to impeach their, their own president. There's a vision on every hand. Iniquities abounding. I prayed a lot for Brother Darrell as he was going to Chicago this week. I thought I heard that there were 65 shooting deaths every week. And I said, I don't want my brother to be 66. Amen. And so I prayed for him. And he said he wasn't on the bad side of town. Thank God. Thank the Lord for that. And they just now in Chicago legalized drugs to go along with their killing each other. Now they're going to be a bunch of drug addicts killing each other. What a society we live in. And folks, that's all the more reason to get a fresh vision of people that need the Lord. Amen. People are going to hell. I don't know if you've ever, if, if you really believe that. I believe you do because you believe the Bible and you believe the greatest preacher that ever preached on this earth, Jesus Christ. The people, boys and girls and men and ladies that are not saved are going to hell. And they are going there quickly. And they're going there destroying people around them. And they're going there hell-bent and bound to have a good time in sin. And you're the only hope they have. Jesus is the only hope they have. But God has called you to be a vessel. God's called you to be a voice crying in the wilderness. And I believe that our voice, folks, we should have that voice of compassion. Now, Isaiah was going to face a people that would not respond, just a remnant did, as the Bible says in verse 13. And he was going to be the voice of warning. And they were not going to heed his voice. That's a very difficult, difficult assignment. If I was preaching tonight and no one listened and no one wanted to listen, that'd be a very difficult assignment. That was Isaiah. But see, what made Isaiah faithful was he saw him who is faithful. And he saw himself as a sinner saved by grace. And he saw people that he lived with that were of unclean lips. And he had compassion. That made a difference. He didn't lose his pioneer spirit. He wasn't there to settle in and not go five miles west 
He wasn't in there to say, hey, I've arrived and I've got saved by the grace of God. Now I'll soak and sour. No, God has called us to take the gospel to a lost and dying world no matter what the cost. Because one soul is worth the whole world. And one soul is who Jesus died for. And one soul is going to live forever. Has that dawned on you lately? It has me just this morning and fresh and new that people are going to live forever in hell or heaven. Their eternal soul. And we need to see that they get the gospel. I want to close by turning to Matthew chapter 9. And I want you to see how Jesus sees. In Matthew chapter 9, and I'll just preach a little while. But when I don't know I'm preaching and I'm called on to preach a couple hours before, I usually try to get too much to preach. <clears throat> and you'd think it'd be too less to preach. But in Matthew chapter 9, Brother Andrew uh, volunteered to preach tonight, and I said, no, I've got it, I got it, I got it. God's got it. So I'm going to preach this message because it's on my heart. Because God stirred my heart this morning about people going to hell. My daddy could be screaming and crying in hell right now. I mean in agony forever and ever and ever. I'm going to read you a letter from hell in closing if I have time. But I want to tell you something, hell's a real place because the Bible says it and Jesus said it. The Bible says in verse 35, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. You with me? Chapter 9 of Matthew, verse 35. Look at verse 36. And when he saw, here's a vision. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what class? Compassion. Compassion. On them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto the disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors unto his harvest. Folks, we shouldn't just pray for members. We ought to pray for laborers. Amen. We shouldn't just pray for a bigger class or a bigger church. We ought to pray for laborers. That's the only prayer request God commanded us to pray for, and that's laborers. And folks, laborers get the job done, and laborers pay the price, and laborers work till the, till the sun goes down. And I'm going to tell you something. When Christ said the harvest truly is plenteous, uh, folks, he was wanting to reach and to work to get it done. And he was in a very uh, <clears throat> a deep, heartfelt compassion towards them. The word compassion means this, to be moved in your heart. To put yourself in somebody's place. It's the deepest, it's seeing the deepest need in somebody's heart. People don't need money, they need Jesus. Amen. People don't need fame, they need to be pleasing to God. People don't need uh, what they think they need, but I'll tell you who, what the, who they need, they need God. The greatest danger of the modern church is we just don't see them. And we don't see the most important work that we have and the deepest need and that's to be moved in our heart. He saw the reality of the need of the people around him. 
and he, his sight moved his heart. Turn to Matthew chapter 14, 14. Matthew 14, 14. I'll show you the key to getting compassion. It says, and Jesus went forth. There it is. If you're ever going to get compassion, you've got to go forth. You will not get compassion sitting on a pew. You've got to go forth. <clears throat> That's why a mission trip is so wonderful if you can go on a mission trip. It changed my whole perspective of missions when I went on that mission trip. It changed my little girl's life. She was 14 years old when she went with me, Amy, and now she's married a missionary. They're doing great work in South Africa. It changed my son's life. It changed both my son's life. It changed everything about it because we saw the need. We saw down in Peru what they were, what, who they were needed and how sin was taken over. He went forth, here's the divine order, and saw. A great multitude and was, what's the next word? Moved with compassion towards them and he healed them their sickness. You go, you see, and you're moved. You want to get a burden for the ministry in Dalton, Georgia? Go knock on some doors. Stop reading all those books and stop trying to get a burden from somebody that's got a burden. And you go out there and just, just knock on those doors. Brother Jason and I went and knocked on a door yesterday afternoon and this little old girl just come to the door. And her daddy had just got saved a few weeks before. And she said, I'm coming to church tomorrow. I pray they will. And she was so excited to see us come knock on her door. And I want to tell you something, friend. Those kids look for their bus pastor. They look for their Sunday school teacher. And I want to tell you something. They're more than just a student. They are sinners that need to be saved and you'll never get a burden till you go to them. Till you go to their place. Till you see what they live in. That you hear and feel their heartbeat of anguish and loneliness and, and how Satan is ravaging their homes. Compassion. Go. See. Moved. Jesus had to go. He saw and he was moved. Are you moved? You know, does it bother you that we really don't care? Does it bother you that you're not bothered? I was going to go to Lamentations. The first chapter says they were bothered that they weren't bothered. Folks, sometimes it bothers me that I'm so cold. It bothers me that I can go through a week without sharing the gospel. It bothers me that I forget that people are going to hell without Jesus. He had compassion. He was moved in the heart. The harvest was in his eyesight. And so number one, I want you to see this in verse 36. He saw the pity of the harvest. In verse 36 of Matthew 9. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad, sheep having no shepherd. Have you ever lived in a day where people just have no direction? Or they're going to all kinds of directions? I was talking, trying to encourage a preacher this morning by way of text before he went to the pulpit as his church is literally falling apart. And he said, my emotions are going ever which way this morning, preacher, please pray for me. You know, I wish it was always easy. But sometimes your heart is so broken when you preach because somebody's walked out on you or somebody's left you or left their position of service. 
that your heart is breaking. When Jesus looked at lost people around him, he saw them as they really were. He was able to look beyond the facades. We all got a facade. The self-sufficiency and the self-righteousness and the self-confidence. Some people put on a good face, don't they? You ladies, it takes about 35 minutes, don't it? Amen. But anyway, he saw the pain. He saw their loneliness. He saw their misery. He felt their heart. Fainted. They were fainting. That means they were losing their breath. They grew weary. Why? Because they're under the load of sin. The sin of religious leaders saying the law was the answer. The law, keep, be religious. Folks, religion has never made anyone have a relationship with the Lord. You're, you have a relationship with the Lord and then you're religious. You want to be here. You want to read your Bible. And then they were scattered. Look at the word scattered. To be cast down or thrown down. No direction. No destination. Why? No shepherd. No shepherd. Folks, we have got some wild Comanche goats running around in this world today. Amen? What they need is a shepherd and become a sheep. They need to lie down in green pastures. They need to walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. One day, yea, they'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death and they'll fear no evil because the Lord's going to be with them. The Lord will prepare a table in the presence of their enemies. Surely mercy and grace and truth will follow them the rest of their life. What a difference being saved is. He saw people who were utterly and hopelessly lost. Lost. The world is lost without Jesus. And so, if you want to get a greater vision, we ought to get a greater vision of God, a greater vision of ourselves as sinners saved by the grace of God. But last but not least, we need to get a greater vision of sinners. We need to see the multitudes like Jesus saw them. Here's a family that seems happy, a good job, plenty of money, beautiful house. But look into their hearts when you knock on their door. We're all intimidated by rich people, aren't we? Everybody can go knock on the door some shanty on the left side of town, so to speak. But man, we're intimidated by rich people. And folks, I want to tell you something. Rich people are just have good credit cards. That's all it is, amen? In February, they're not too rich when the bills come in. But folks, I want to tell you something. Money never bought happiness. You can look in their heart and you'll still see the turmoil. You'll still see the fear. You'll still see the loneliness. You'll still, still see the desperation. That You need to pray to God that you get a vision past the facades. People try to impress you when they're depressed. People try to put up a defense of, of smugness and pride when inside they're falling apart. They have no answer to the life's questions. They need the Lord. Here's another family. They don't have much. Their lives are driven by alcohol and drugs. They seem hard to the gospel. But look at their hearts. You see a person that's afraid to die and afraid to live. They're without hope. And they see, you need to see them as they really are. Jesus saw people as they really are. We need to see people not as white or black or Mexican or American or whatever you want to call them. You need to see people as lost or saved. 
lost or saved. There's only two categories in God's eyes. Stop classing people and start looking to people's hearts like Jesus looks at their hearts. What Jesus saw was the, was the end of these, of these people. I'll tell you what Jesus saw. Eternity. Eternity. He saw eternity. I'll never forget that Y2K scare we had in 2000. Remember that? I mean, everybody was building bomb shelters. Stocking up on food. Some of y'all houses look like the food cupboard back there. Amen. Y'all had it all stocked up because you believe the, the naysayers said, the world's coming to the end. How many of you believe that? Don't raise your hand because we'll laugh at you. We decided we was going to have a Y2K revival. I called uh, Brother Lou Rossi and he preached and Brother Kevin Hall preached the greatest message that week. God just shook the place. On the last week of the year, now who in the world have enough courage to have a meeting in the last year? But I want to tell you something. We had a full house because everybody thought the end of the world's coming. <laughs> I mean, they really thought this is it. The computers are going down and we can't live. Oh, no, we can't live without the computer and the cell phone. They're going down because it's year 2000. Y2K. So I started a little button. I put there R2G. R2G. That's about the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. R2G. And we all wore it. R2G. R2G. Amen. Not Y2K. It's R2G. Why did anybody let me do that? And everybody would say, well, what's R2G stand for? It says, ready to go. <laughs> it was so dumb. What y'all looking at? Amen. Ready to go. We were ready to go, but I'll never get on that night. About four hours before our midnight, it got midnight in Australia. And in Australia, there's one bridge, I forgot what it's called. What's the bridge called? It's a beautiful bridge, Harbor Bridge or something. I mean, it's beautiful. It was all lit up. And on the side of that bridge was one word all lit up, eternity. Because it was a man that went crazy about a year before and started writing. He said, I, can't, I don't know how to witness. I don't know how to, how to be a soul winner. But I'm just going to take my piece of chalk and I'm going all over Sydney, Australia and I'm going to write the word eternity on every building that's not occupied, on every sidewalk. And everywhere, all through the, all through the thing, this, this one little man wrote the word eternity all over that city. And it catched on as a theme. And you know what's so exciting? that everybody thought the world was going to come to the end in Australia first, so they all tuned in around the whole world, and what did they see? From one little man that didn't know how to witness, but he knew how to write one word, eternity. That was a miracle. Y'all might not got it. Y'all were saved, so y'all didn't need it. But praise God, there was a lot of people, I, I believe, that started the end time Y2K with the word pressed upon their heart, eternity. That's the way we ought to see people. Amen. They're either going to live in hell or heaven for eternity. And then last but not least, or next to last but not least, he saw the potential in the harvest. In verse 37 it says, then said he to the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. Plenteous means ripe for picking. <laughs> Amen. He looked beyond the conditions and saw the destination. 
He saw people who could be delivered. He saw people who could be saved. Some people call me an optimist. I'm really a pessimist, but I try to be, have faith. But I want to tell you this, friend. I believe that God can do great works in young people's lives. I believe they can be used of God. I believe there's not a lost generation. I believe they can get saved and they can make a resounding difference in the next generation to come. I believe they can raise godly seeds and I believe they can do great wonders for God and I believe we can too and I believe folks we're not much but little is much when God is in it. And folks we need to have a vision of the harvest that's truly plenteous and it can be delivered, it can be changed, it can be saved and folks stop looking at the problem and look at the potential. What the Lord can do. What the Lord will do. And that's exactly what Jesus saw in the Samaritan woman at the well. And then they all came back from groceries in John chapter 4. And they just, they, all they cared about was eating. That sounds like a bunch of Baptists, don't it? And he looked up at them, and I think it's verse 35, and he said this. Say not, there are four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they're white already to harvest. Because see, that woman was coming back with all her friends, all her boyfriends. She would got saved, and her, her life was so different and so changed, and she was glorifying God. She said, I met somebody who knew all about me, and now I'm a new lady. And I want you to come back and meet him. And he said, she said, they said, lift up your eye. Here they come. And she was bringing a flock of men back to Jesus. Those disciples were worried about groceries. They were worried about the, the meat of, of, of the day. But God said, I got meat that you know not of. I'm not even hungry. This lady just got saved. And lift up your eyes. Here they come. There's a harvest. One soul reached many souls. And you can too. But there's a problem in the harvest. Look at verse 37, and I'll close. Then said he unto the disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. Few laborers. We need to get more laborers. We need to be a laborer. We don't need to be a loafer. We don't need to just be a pew warmer. Pardon the expression. We don't just need to attend. We need to bring sinners with us. When's the last time you brought somebody lost to this place? It's hard, I know. But if you'll keep on being kind and compassionate and loving, plant the seeds of, of friendship, they will come. It might take longer today than it did in the 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s, but they will come if we live to get them here. People need the Lord. And people are longing to see the Lord. And folks, we need to enter into the work. Farming's hard. I think fishing's hard. Well, you just cast all day long. Pappy used to wear me out. I said, we ain't caught anything in an hour. Oh, we'll catch it in the next hour. I said, oh, goodness. I was thinking 5,000 things I should be doing. We're out there casting, I mean, before 30 in the morning, getting up. I said, that's the craziest thing. Those fish aren't awake. And we cast and we cast and we cast and we cast and we cast. And he said, aren't we having fun? I said, yeah, Pappy, we're having fun. Praise God, this is the most fun I've had in a long time. 
But I want to tell you something, friend. If fishing and farming takes work, what about soul winning? We need to realize, folks, that there's a harvest. And folks, that there's a problem in the harvest. It's plenteous, and the labors are few. But last but not least, I don't know I've already closed, but I didn't study too long on this message, so I don't really know where I'm closing. But uh, I'm going to close now. He saw the power of the harvest. He saw the power of the harvest. Look at verse 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors unto his harvest. Folks, he told the men what to do first. Pray. Why pray? Because seeing the harvest brought, in, brought into the barn, seeing the harvest brought to Jesus, seeing a soul come to Jesus, is God's work. Amen. You can't do it. There is no personality that can reach souls. There is no persuasion. There's no salesmanship that can reach souls. Only God can reach a soul. We need to be that vessel. And so if it's God's work, we better pray. We better pray. We need to pray for courage, boldness. Because you've been with Jesus, you've seen Jesus. He's big enough to handle this. He's big enough to save anyone. You've seen the Lord. You need to see yourself as a sinner saved by grace, but a servant called by grace. And then most indeed, you need to see the sinner. They need the Lord. And there is no way they'll be converted unless God does it. I don't know about you. I ain't got time to read my letter from hell. I don't know about you, but I want God to use me in my last days here. I realize my days are numbered. I'm over the hill. I'm going down on the other side of the hill. And I never thought I'd admit that publicly. But I want to tell you something. I have no regrets. But I have one, one regret. I wish I could win more souls. Amen. And I wish, as Brother Lee Robinson said, I had more faith. I had more faith. Faith for what? Faith that God's... Save me, yes, but faith that God could use me to reach others. Folks, here's the vision we ought to get. God, high lifted up, ourself, woe is me. Hey, our commission and our calling, God has sent us. But most indeed, we need to see the harvest, the harvest, the harvest, souls, eternity, they're either going to heaven or hell forever and ever. They'll burn in hell forever and ever. They'll enjoy the presence of God. And folks, it might be that they need to hear and see Jesus in you. Father, use this message. I know it wasn't my plan to preach tonight, but it must have been your plan. And I don't blame Brother Travis and I don't blame myself. I just believe you've got a plan. We want to step right in that plan. And that plan that God is to get a greater vision of being used of God as a soul winner, as a witness, as a voice crying in the wilderness, and as Brother Randy's saying, as a light, stepping in the light in this dark world. God, give us a burden 
to never lose the pioneer spirit of stepping out every week, knocking on a door, talking to a soul, handing out a track, inviting a person to our class, to our club, to our church, to a special day like Anniversary Sunday to hear a blind man preach and a blind man sing. And some might come just to see that. God forbid they just see him, but they'd see you, Lord, and see you high and lifted up as he sings praises to your name. Lord, give us a greater vision in 2020 of sinners that are ready for the harvest. And God, give us the faith to be the vessel, the servant, to take the gospel, the life-changing, gospel to a lost and dying world. With every head bowed and every eye closed, how many know somebody that's lost tonight and you're burdened for their soul? Would you slip your hand up on their behalf? We'll pray together. We're going to close the service. We're praying together for them. How many know somebody that's religious but lost? Raise your hand on their behalf. God help us. They think they're saved and they're not. God forbid they go to heaven thinking they're saved. How many know that you're saved? By the grace of God, raise your hand high if you know you're saved. How many glad you're saved? Say amen. Aren't you glad somebody brought you the message? Aren't you glad somebody witnessed you on the job? Aren't you glad somebody knocked on your door? Aren't you glad somebody preached hell hot and heaven sweet and eternity long? God forbid we'd settle in as a church and not move out five miles west to reach one soul. Father, thank you for the message. You spoke to my heart and I needed it. God, help us, Lord, to get a fresh vision of our calling to be witnesses, to be soul winners, to be a testimony to a lost and dying world that's going to live somewhere for eternity. And our prayer is they will not go to hell, but they'll go to heaven. God, give us an opportunity this week to hand out a gospel track. God, give us an opportunity this week for somebody to maybe come to us and say, hey, life is just not worth living. And we might give witness to them, tell them where life comes from, you, Lord. And so, Lord, we pray for open doors Pray for sense enough to see them. And God, faith enough to walk through them. God, will give you the credit and the glory and the praise for all that you do when we walk in that room of opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.